Well, let me start by asking a question, which is, you know, I understand is dangerous, but uh, you all have started to get in the habit of responding. Uh, What Christmas gift that you've gotten in the past didn't meet your expectations? I'll say for me, it's, and, and I've, I've received them and I've given them to my kids. Every remote control car that I've ever received or given, it, it's just doomed. From the time you get it and you put the batteries in, and it's happened to us several times where we had the remote control car for about a day and then you ramped it off something and the plastic parts all go to nothing. Um, so remote control cars, you know, it's like the idea of it is so fun, but the, the execution of it doesn't seem to follow through. Have you ever had other Christmas gifts that you've either given or received uh, that didn't meet expectations? All right, it didn't, it didn't work. The record player didn't work. Yes, that would be a... Yeah. Yeah, Dave. A thousand pieces of puzzle. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, KC. A sewing machine, and I didn't sew, and I figured, well, I guess I better learn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you, yeah, you got a sewing machine and you didn't sew, so now you've got a, a, a thing to learn. Yeah. Ah, okay, your kids play with the box instead of the the toy. (laughs) Or the wrapping paper. (laughs) We have been talking over the last couple of weeks about some great expectations. We talked about... um, what folks expected in the time of Jesus uh, regarding the, um, their expectations of the Messiah coming, and we talked a little bit about our expectations of uh, Jesus' second coming. Um, last week we looked at John the Baptist's expected response uh, as he's preparing the way for the Messiah. He's expecting um, repentance, uh, not just a moment of repentance, but he talks about um, bearing fruit of repentance. And so uh, having our, our lives transformed and, and being ready for the coming of the Messiah. Um, this morning, our sermon title is Expected Messiah. Um, our text includes another story of John the Baptist again, but at a very different Point in John the Baptist's life. Uh, last week, was you know he's doing his ministry out in the wilderness. Jesus comes. You know, John. It's talking about John is is preparing the way uh, for for the Messiah. Uh, but now we've got John in jail. Uh, Herod Antipas was the ruler of Galilee. He had divorced his wife. He had married Herodias, who had been uh, married to Herod's brother. And John had uh, condemned the marriage, and Herod had thrown him in jail. Uh, we know later that Herodias and, and her daughter are going to um, kind of plot and scheme to 
uh, ask for John's head on a platter. And so John will be executed in jail. But at this moment in John's life, he is in prison and he hears about what the Messiah is up to. Now, let me just say, this is one of those sermons that I come across every once in a while that's very hard to write. Um, and part of that is, uh, this, in, in the last, uh, this fall, I was part of a small group that was studying John, and we would often come up uh, with different parts in the scripture where people were asking Jesus a question. It was very frustrating because Jesus often didn't answer that question directly um, or he'd kind of answer it in a, a, a way around it. Um, and, you know, as a, as a reader, I, I'd want the straight answer. I'd wish Jesus was just more direct sometimes in some of his uh, responses. So there's different times where you read these stories about people asking Jesus questions and you wish Jesus had a different answer, either more complete or he doesn't really answer the question. And I would put this uh, passage in one of those categories, but, but even more, honestly, I wish Jesus' answer to John's question had been different. And I want to look at that a little bit more this morning. I think John's question is one that uh, we all might echo. And I want to look at Jesus' response. As we do that, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Jesus, I'm going to ask for extra help because there's a part of this text that I find uneasy for me. And so I pray that you would be speaking to our hearts this morning. Amen. Our story begins, and, and Penny read it for us this morning, when John heard in prison, and I, that's important to understand, John hears this in prison about what the Messiah was doing. He sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with a skin disease are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. I wonder what John expected of Jesus' ministry. John's preparing the way. John's um, form of ministry was very different than Jesus. John is out in the wilderness. You know, we talked last week about uh, the camel's fur uh, robes and, and the belt of leather and the, the weird diet of uh, locusts and honey. In this passage, then, John hears about what Jesus is doing. He hears about Jesus' ministry and it prompts questions for John. 
John the Baptist asks, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Again, last week's text, John was all gung-ho over the coming Messiah. He's preparing the way. He says, you know, I'm not worthy to to stoop and and untie uh, the sandals of the one that is to come. And when Jesus comes and and wants to be baptized by John, John's like, no, 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 no. I I shouldn't be baptizing you. Uh, You should be baptizing me, right? So last week, John was was all gung-ho. John the Baptist asks then Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Are we to wait for another? Remember, John's message was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And, And I, again, think it's significant to me that Matthew tells us that John hears this news about Jesus' ministry from prison. John comes as an eccentric prophet with that strange wardrobe and that strange diet. He's an ascetic living out in the wilderness. John's message is one of judgment and condemnation. And along comes Jesus. And Jesus comes and he is uh, meeting in towns with people. He's eating and drinking with sinners and tax collectors. His preaching is highlighting forgiveness, grace, and love. Maybe John had expected something more or something different from what Jesus was doing. I found myself this week putting myself in, trying to put myself in, in John's shoes. I might be asking some questions about my own strategy and the way that I've gone about things. Questioning whether it was worth it to condemn Herod's actions. After all, Jesus is sitting and eating with sinners and blessing them and, and showing them what the kingdom of God looks like. And now John is in jail for refusing to give way in holding Herod accountable for his adultery. John seems to be reflecting back on his mission and message and seems to have some hard questions. So I can start to understand why John has those questions. John won't make it out of prison alive. He will die for the cause of the kingdom and and holding Herod, holding the powers that be accountable. He wants to know if it's worth it. Is Jesus really coming to bring the kingdom to bear? I wonder what our expectations of the kingdom of God and Jesus look like. I read this question this week. What do you do when faithfulness to the Lord doesn't pay off? You've done everything right and yet you don't get the desired result. What happens next? I wonder if John was asking those questions. He's been faithful. He's, he's, you know, he's tried to prepare the way for the Messiah. He's had whatever expectations he's had of Jesus coming as the Messiah. And now he's got these questions. Are you the one that we were to wait for? Or should we look for another? Have you ever had an experience like John where you've done what seems to be the faithful thing and it hasn't worked out. 
I think sometimes in, in the Christian faith, we've somehow uh, gotten karma wrapped up into our faith. And, and we think, well, you know, I'm a good person. I did a good thing. And so I expect good to happen back to me. Or we say things like, they're going to get what they deserve. And that's actually not uh, the biblical message. Uh, and praise God that it's not, that we don't get what we deserve, right? We've all messed up. We've all fallen short of God's glory, And so what are our expectations of Jesus and the kingdom of God? Is he the one to come or should we be waiting for another? I think John's question is a very open and honest one and probably one that we've all wondered about at some point in our lives when things haven't gone right. We've tried to be faithful and, you know, we look, step back and look and go, why didn't it work out this way? Why didn't God answer my prayer this way? Jesus' uh, response back to John's followers, I think, is very interesting. Jesus doesn't answer John's question directly. That's pretty normal for Jesus. He doesn't go directly to the list of prophecies he has fulfilled. Instead, he relies on John being able to interpret his actions as fulfillment of Isaiah and other prophets' prophecies and signs of the reign of God. He says, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor hear the good news. Look around and see these signs of the kingdom and go back and tell John what's happening, what you're experiencing. The signs of the kingdom are popping up. And then Jesus says, blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Uh, different translations kind of word things a little bit differently. Um, there's one translation that says, um, blessed is anyone who does not stumble over me. My interpretation would be, it, it is blessed is anyone who doesn't stop believing in the kingdom of God because of Jesus. These signs, blind receiving sight, deaf hearing, the dead being raised, these were all Old Testament expectations of the Messiah. These were signs that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. When you see these things, you're going to start to catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is telling John that the signs of the kingdom are beginning to take place. Look at what is beginning to happen and don't lose faith. Don't lose hope now. But I have to confess to you, in my own brokenness, I wish Jesus' answer was different. In some other texts where Jesus is announcing the presence of the kingdom, uh, Jesus would include setting the prisoners free. I'm sure John would have loved to have heard that. But it's not included here. John will not experience that part of the good news the way maybe he had hoped. And yet the kingdom is at hand. 
signs of the kingdom are beginning to pop up with Jesus. I understand that we continue to have all sorts of questions that continue to persist. Some questions can be difficult for our faith. I imagine John is in prison and and just asking some really difficult questions, looking back at his life and his ministry and, and, and analyzing those things, looking at what Jesus is doing, how Jesus is conducting his ministry. I think John could have easily responded to back to Jesus. You know, that's great that the blind uh, see and, and the deaf hear, but... How about the release of the prisoner? And, you know, if he's going to suggest someone to start with, he might suggest himself. This is the tension of the kingdom already, but not yet. The, the tension that we look around and we should start to see little glimpses of the kingdom. As, as you and I in the church try to live faithfully and, and demonstrate what the kingdom of God looks like, and yet things are not always, um, we, wish, we wish we'd see more of the kingdom. We wish that when we talk about um, peace on earth and goodwill towards all, which you know, we sing a lot about here at, at Christmas, that we wouldn't have to turn on the news and watch uh, war in, in Ukraine and, and, and violence in cities and, and violence around us in different places and you turn on the local news and there's just as much happening or brokenness happening around us in our neighborhoods. Sometimes we have great expectations about life and faith and then life doesn't meet those expectations. And for me, I think about this question in regards to the church. Um, I must confess it's a, a strange dynamic that we've created in the church today where uh, we all want more people joining us on Sunday mornings in our, and, and in our activities, in our programs. And sometimes we've associated faithfulness to Jesus with more people showing up on Sunday morning. And that's our measure of faithfulness if we have more people, uh, which is really interesting because there, there's a number of large Sunday morning gatherings that happen around our country, and it's based more around a uh, person's platform than it is around faithfulness to Jesus. Or it's based around a, a show and, and lights and smoke machines and, and stuff like that. But real faithfulness to Jesus doesn't always work that way in a larger crowd. So what happens when you have been faithful and it doesn't seem to have worked out for you? When others celebrate their healing but you still feel bound up in prison... This is the story of John the Baptist and Jesus doesn't tell John to, to suck it up and stuff your feelings. He doesn't tell John to, uh, that he just needs to believe harder. He doesn't, you know, Jesus doesn't respond that John has a lack of faithfulness. Instead, Jesus says, open your eyes, open your ears 
to the way the kingdom is advancing. Not everything has been made right but yet, but the kingdom is at hand. Don't lose hope. If we open our eyes and listen with our ears, we might see the signs of the kingdom come. We included this uh, short little reading from James too. And uh, confession, I don't really like this passage from James either because he, says, he talks about patience and that's not like high on my list. Um, I, I, I struggle with that. I struggle to be patient. And James writes, be patient therefore brothers and sisters until the coming of the Lord. That's a long, how long is that? We don't know. Be patient. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. And then he says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Have you read the stories of the prophets? Like things are not always grand and beautiful for, the, for them. John the Baptist is, is one of those prophets. So I'm not sure I like these passages, if I'm being honest. Long obedience in the same direction. This is what we're called to. Long obedience in the same direction, following Jesus day in and day out when it works and when it doesn't work. Opening our eyes, opening our ears to the ways the kingdom is popping up around us. May we open our eyes, open our ears to see what Jesus is doing around us. Sometimes we have like a, a longest night service or a, or a blue Christmas service um, that acknowledges that, that, you know, for some of us, this is a difficult season because of loss, because of uh, struggles in our own lives. And, and, and we're not planning one of those services this year. But for me, when I started reading this passage and meditating on it this week, uh, I think this serves as that. That, that John has some serious questions. John has some raw questions about what's happening. I think Jesus would encourage us to continue to look and see the ways the kingdom is popping up around us. See the ways that people are being healed, people are being brought into relationship with Jesus Open our eyes. We're going to conclude our service this morning by turning in the brown hymnals to number 251. It came upon the midnight clear. Would you stand as we sing?